Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When we find ourselves certainly in a fraction of a way, would to God that even though for us is a minuscule trial in comparison, would to God that we would be found worshiping God, saying of God, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, He takes away. Naked I came, naked I'll return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Our response to suffering reveals much about our heart attitude. Do you feel wronged, angry, or as if an injustice has been done toward you? Job's response to immense loss is one of humility and worship, as we'll hear from Pastor J.D. today. Job understood that all he had, including his own life, was a gift from God. And we would do well to do the same. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. It's as if he's saying to God, (laughs) "You, you think he loves you? Well, of course he's going to worship you. Listen to how Oswald Chambers says it. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? This might be paraphrased in this way. Satan is represented as saying to God, You are infatuated with the idea that man loves you for your own sake. He never has and he never will. Job, for instance simply loves you because you bless and prosper him, but touch any one of his blessings and he will curse you to your face and prove that no man on earth loves you for your own sake. That's the accusation. That's what he's accusing God, not Job, of. Job's the subject of the accusation, not the object of the accusation. Now verse 12 is very interesting. And the Lord said to Satan, game on. That's a very loose (laughs) paraphrase. It doesn't say game on. He says, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Ah, that's all Satan needed to hear. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. This to me is amongst the most telling and even encouraging verses in the entirety of Scripture related to the limitations that the enemy has. We are fond of and quote verses like, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And that is true. But I say that It is encouraging because it's a much-needed reminder of how Satan cannot do anything to us unless, A, God allows him to, gives him permission to, and B, it brings about God's glory and our good in the end. Let me say the same thing in a different way. 
why did God give Satan permission to sift Peter as wheat? Because ultimately, in the end, it served his purpose. It was for Peter's good and God's glory in the end. And that's the only reason God allowed Satan. Let's kind of superimpose that onto that trial that you're in right now. God's allowing it. Nothing happens to us without God knowing. How disconcerting would that be? Could you imagine the whole heavenly host, the angels given charge concerning us, having to inform God of what's happened to us? When did this happen? (laughs) How come nobody told me? Is he okay? (laughs) He's God. He knows the end from the beginning. He's all-knowing. He knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. He knew the choices we would make before we made the choices that we made. He knows all. All-knowing. By the way, Satan is not all-knowing. So, because God knows the end from the beginning, He knows how He will bring it out in the end, and He will only allow Satan to do that which will bring Him glory and bring us good. If it will not bring Him glory and bring us good, it will never happen. It will never happen. So you're in a trial. And we hang on to promises like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that paraphrase says, basically, God's not going to allow you to go into a trial that will overwhelm you, but in and through the trial, He'll provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to bear up under it. In other words, He knows where that breaking point is. And it's different for all of us, by the way. And sometimes we're at that point, we think, God, I I ain't going to make it. Yeah, you will. Yeah, but God, you promised that you're not going to allow him to be tried or even tempted above, same word in the original, above that which I'm able to handle. Lord, I can't handle this anymore. I just can't take this anymore. You'll see. In the end, it's going to bring me glory and you good. You'll see. Just wait. That's why I've allowed it in your life. If it wouldn't, I wouldn't have allowed it in your life. Yeah, but Lord, this is really bad. Oh, but I can take bad and make good as only I can. Yeah, but God, this is, this is really, really bad. This is really, really hard. Oh, but you'll see. You'll see. Just wait. You can be confident in this, that you will see the goodness of the Lord, David writes in Psalm 27, 13, and 14, in the land of the living. That's this side of heaven. You'll see. Just wait. Be strong. Take heart. Be of good courage. You'll see. Just wait. Because you know I would have never allowed it if it wouldn't bring about good in the end. I know it's hard. I know it's painful. I know it doesn't look good. From your vantage point, from your finite perspective, you're looking at this thing going, there ain't no way. I mean, Romans 8.28, I'm going to be the first person that is going to violate Romans 8.28. <laughs> for we know that all things work together for the good to them to love God called according to His purpose. Well, there's no way God can bring good out of this. Oh yeah? Watch me now. That's what you think. Verse 13. Things are going to get really ugly really quick, okay? This is what I call a bad day. This is the kind of day where you wish you'd have never woke up. There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans, 
raided them. This is another reason that uh, we know the, the dating. And took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Now watch verse 16. While he was still speaking, reporting this bad news to Job about what happened. Verse 16. Another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 17. While he was still speaking. This almost sounds like a fiction, like this could never happen. No, it happened. While he was still speaking, verse 17, another also came and said, the Chaldeans, another dating, formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, how you doing? How's everybody holding up? Verse 18. Another also came and said, your sons and daughters, oh no, way, way. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Are you kidding me? I don't know if it's possible. I know for me to try to get my mind around this and fully grasp the enormity and the intensity of what this must have been like for Job. All of this happening, it sounds like, if not close in proximity, even simultaneously. He's lost everything. His sons and daughters, all ten of them, I don't know if you notice this or not, but you know how God gave Satan permission to do whatever he wanted, except don't lay a, a finger on, on Job. Well, that's coming. And isn't it interesting that he went as far as he possibly could within the scope of that which God had allowed him to do? Why do I point that out? Because it speaks to how evil through and through the adversary is, how merciless it is when it comes to his attack on us. Never imagine that the enemy is going to let you catch your breath to get back up when he's knocked you down. Okay, just give give me, are you kidding me? He'll go in for the kill. He is evil through and through. I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant about Satan's devices, the wiles of the devil, the King James renders it. The strategies. He's he's so cunning. He's so evil. He's so merciless. There is nothing good in him. God says you can do all of this. He does all of this up to the gnat's eyebrow. And yes, gnats have eyebrows. (laughs) To the line of what he could do. Nothing less. Nothing less than that. Also, I think it's interesting to note when, when he does this, especially when it comes to his sons and daughters, he waits till they're feasting before he attacks. You might think that's a 
a nebulous detail, but I don't think it is. Isn't it true that that's kind of when our guard's down during times of feasting and celebration? Isn't our guard up during times of fasting? And isn't our guard down during times of feasting? We're merry, we're enjoying, we're celebrating. That's when he attacks. G. Campbell Morgan noted this. He said, Satan is here revealed in startling light. His malice is seen in the choice of time. He strikes in the midst of festivity. That's what I mean by evil through and through. Now, verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe. This was a a sign of his heart just being torn. Torn in shreds. He has just been torn apart. So he tears his robe and shaved his head. This has the idea of, you know, the the gray hairs on a man's head are a a sign of, of wisdom. You know, the blessing of old age. And he, he shaves his head. I'm not blessed. I'm cursed. My heart's been torn. I tear my robe. I, I shave my head. And he fell to the ground and he cursed God to his face. I'm just making sure you're still awake. I, I'm not, some of you are looking going, no, that doesn't say that. <laughs> You better not say it. If your Bible says that, will you see me afterwards? We need to talk. <laughs> he fell to the ground and worshipped. He fell to the ground and worshipped. Ha! Take that! And listen to what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me just parenthetically share this. This was the verse that God gave my wife when our daughter Noel died. And it greatly ministered to her and myself as well. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And notice this word, and it's capitalized in the New King James, blessed. What's the antithesis of blessed? Cursed. Not cursed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of of the Lord. So let me see if I got this straight. So the challenge was that if Satan were allowed to do this, that Satan would curse God to his face. He does the exact opposite. He blesses the name of the Lord. And then verse 22, lastly, in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Before we bring the Bible study to an end, there's something I I think we need to see here. I need to couch this in terms of 
how that Satan is not the opposite of God. I want to move forward with that presupposition in closing, okay? So Satan is not the opposite of God. God is omniscient. Satan is not. Satan is not all-knowing. God is omnipresent, all places, all the time. Satan is not. That's why we say just sort of casually, boy, the, the devil's been attacking me. Wow. The devil himself? How do you rate? Listen, I, he can't be in Kaneohe and in Cairo at the same time because he's not omnipresent. Are you with me? God's omnipresent. Satan's not omnipresent. In the spiritual realm, Satan himself can only be one place at one time. He cannot be all places at all times. Only God can do that. He's not the opposite of God. Satan is not omniscient or omnipresent or omnipotent, all-powerful, which is why he has to get permission from the one who is before he's given power to do anything to anyone. He has to get it from the one who is all-powerful. And again, we've established that God will only allow that when it serves his purpose in the end, for his glory and our good. So Satan is not all-knowing. Satan didn't know that Job would do this. He actually thought he could get Job to curse God to his face. God knew that Job wouldn't do that. Because if God, who knows the end from the beginning, knew that Job would curse him to his face, he'd have never allowed this to happen, because then he would be party to evil. Well, think about that. God tempts no man. He can tempt no man with evil. See, God, who is all-knowing, knew exactly what Job would do. I'll even say he knew down to the word what Job would say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came into this world, naked I will return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's kind of an unfair bet, if I can say it that way, when Satan says, hey, you want to bet? That if you bring adversity, that he, he won't curse you to your face? Yeah, I'll take that bet. <laughs> I kind of know what cards you have in your hands, Satan, because I'm all-knowing. And I also know my servant Job, you actually think you can get him to curse me? I know he won't, because I'm all-knowing, and you're not. Now, why do I make a big deal about it? Can you imagine the shock that it must have been for Satan when he saw Job tear his robe, shave his head, fall to his face? Oh, no. He's not going to curse God you got to be kidding me. I just smite everything he owned, and I took his very children from him. Listen, I've only tasted from the cup of the death of one child, not ten. No parent should ever experience the death of a child. A parent should never bury a child. A child buries the parent. He just had ten of his children in one swoop. Perish. Tall ten. And he falls to his face and he worships God and he blesses God and he blesses the name of the Lord. And I can just imagine Satan and those ugly fallen angels 
going, wow. How disappointed. How flabbergasted are they? They couldn't have known. They hoped that they had been successful so many times before. But not this time. Let me close with Adam Clark. He says it best this way. In this, Satan was utterly disappointed. He found a man who loved his God more than his earthly portion. Wow. Wasn't that the accusation? Satan says, he worships you. He loves you because of what you do for him, what he can get out of it, not because he loves you for you. Oh my, this is new. (laughs) Satan would say, this Job actually loves God, at least more than his earthly portion, which we just took. He had been so often successful in this kind of temptation that he made no doubt that he should succeed again. Think about that. It's almost like Satan thought, oh wow, this is too easy. I mean, I've got foolproof ways to get men, the men of the earth, to curse the God of heaven. Surely I can get Job. I'm going to pull out all the stops on this guy. It's game on. I can almost imagine Satan and his minions just waiting, just kind (laughs) of, here it comes. He was just informed, one right after the other, from bad to worse, even his sons and his daughters. Here it comes, guys. You ready? Wait for it. Here it comes. Wait a minute. He's worshiping God. Can you just hear the dialogue? Satan, I thought you said that he was going to curse God to his face. I know, I thought so too. But not this guy. Hmm. This has never happened before. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would to God that when we find ourselves certainly in a fraction of the way, would to God that even though for us is a minuscule trial in comparison, would to God that we would be found worshiping God, saying of God, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, he takes away. Naked I came, naked I'll return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Job. There's much more to learn, but sadly that's all the time we have for on today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Subscribe to our podcast while you're there and receive new messages as soon as they're made available. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips, ready to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
Keep up to date with the Midi's Prophecy Updates with our mobile app as well. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares current world events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies found in the Bible. The information provided is intended to stir in us an urgency to share the good news of Jesus before He returns to judge the world. There's so much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. Find out more on our YouTube channel at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in next time to keep studying through Job on In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with the old ways.